Hi, everybody. It's Dave. And before we start the episode tonight, uh, I need to let you know we had a bit of a technical glitch. Uh, today, we were supposed to be starting our new Battle Tome coverage format. It's only going to be a day or so split up. It's uh, it's not a, an extra episode uh, as anything on Patreon or anything like that. It's just a way to break it down. If you want to listen to the lower part, you got that. If you want to listen to the rules part, you got that. If you want to listen to both, you can download them both. But it's too quicker, easier to put together episodes. Something glitched. We got about two hours we lost, basically. And the idea of going back and recording that like the next day, redoing it, um, the time was difficult to schedule and it was just be soul crushing to go back and sit down and do it all over again like the next day. So we're just going to release the lore part now and the war part will be episode 216 on the 10th. And it'll be out on time, and you'll have that. So going forward in the future, it's going to be one episode just released in two halves over a day or so. But that, even though we talk about it in this episode and in the first half of the next episode, that's obviously not how it's going to be. I just want to tell everybody that I'm really sorry about the uh, confusion and the screw-up, but technical glitches sometimes happen. So uh, there you go. On with the show. wildest corners of every realm, the beasts of chaos gather for war. They are anarchy given form, monstrous amalgams of animal and man intent on tearing down the wonders of civilization and reducing the mortal realms to ruin. Birthed from the warping taint of chaos and imbued with bestial fury, they stampede toward their foes in vast herds, leaving only horror and devastation in their wake. For an age, the forces of chaos ruled over the mortal realms. The armies of the dark gods waged campaigns of terror and bloodshed that brought reality itself to the brink of annihilation. When their victory was all but assured, the heavens were opened, and the god-king Sigmar sent forth his stormcast eternals. Mighty warriors, possessed of righteous fury, they fought for order and justice, hurling back the servants of chaos on countless fronts. Once again, civilization began to flourish, and ancient allies came together to make their stand against the Dark Gods. Yet the corruptions of chaos were deeply rooted, and many of the alliances of old were beyond repair. The beasts of chaos thrive in this time of turmoil and war. Long have they lived in the uncharted hinterlands, beyond the borders of civilization, amidst the untamed chaos energies that bleed through the veil of reality. Warped in form and consumed by animal rage, they look to the nations of the other races with bitter hatred, snarling at the cities and fortresses that blight the primordial landscape. They are the bringers of anarchy, the true children of chaos, who by blade and bloody horn transform the mortal realms into their savage hunting grounds. Welcome to the garage, you tools. For the next few hours or thereabouts, we will do our best to keep you informed, entertained, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way. Bringing you Ba, Ram, and you, I'm Alex Gonzalez. That's you are what... not Johnny Hastings. No, that's just an ungore. I wasn't trying to do that. I'm not trying to blow out the listener's eardrums or anything like that. Yeah. That was just a But I would have been right, though. Well, yeah. For the first time in ever. <laughs> well, it's true. I am not Johnny Hastings. I mean, that is a fact. But so, what's happening? 
nothing much. We are coming off the post-Adepticon high. Oh, yeah. And decided to stick it in to a new book. What? Uh, I, I screwed that up. Let's not use that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, now it's staying. Uh, no, no, it's not. <laughs> Oh, let's just get let's just get out of the sponsors. Oh my goodness! Um, we should probably take a moment to thank the sponsors of the Garage Hammer before things get really crazy. It's, um, yep. and they just happen to include Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Six <laughs> Square Studios. Six Square Studios. Oh God, why? And Lindsay's Gamer Garrison in Wakanda, Illinois. Not that Lindsay, and not that Wakanda. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So that's the sponsors. And let's not also forget, thank the Patreon patrons, because those are the people who make everything that we do here possible, right along with those sponsors. Our associate producers, Phil Elliott, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, and AJC. AJC. Executive producer Big Jake. And thanking our newest Patreon patron, Robert Maida. Um, and I want to throw a special thanks out there to John Rogowski, who decided he liked the show so much he bumped up to the next level. And I figured that's worth saying thanks for. So there we go. Uh, anyone who's interested in possibly becoming a Patreon patron, uh, just check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash garagehammer. And you, too, can be one of the people who make this show possible. Whether you consider that credit or blame, that's up to you. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But guess what, Alex? What? We've got voicemails. Do we? We do. We got How do we still them. have voicemail? Because people keep calling because it's wonderful. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. We have what two. number do they call, Dave? They call one seven five seven GH show six. That's one seven five seven GH show six. Most international callers dial zero zero, and then one seven five seven GH show six. And you too could possibly, maybe, have your voicemail heard here on Garage Hammer, like this one. Gonzalez Whitehead, this is Mister Bob. I am calling to say congratulations on a wonderful Adepticon. I miss both of your faces already, and uh, I'm going to start uh, leaving you all sorts of voicemails in various states of sobriety. Uh, so just be warned. Here it is. I'm coming for you. Enjoy, guys. Bye. Ian Bots. He's the man. Going to leave us messages in varying states of sobriety. I'm actually looking forward to that because I love getting voicemails. And when people drunk dial the voicemail line, it doesn't always get on the air, but it does get listened to often yes. several times. <laughs> yeah. And Ian's a world traveler, so. Yes, he is. He gets some very interesting, interesting. Yeah. I'm, messages. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, one more, one more voicemail because yay, voicemail. Hold on a second. Here we go. Hello, this is Sheldon from the Cab, Illinois. Uh, I first just want to say to Alex and Dave that it was so awesome getting to meet you guys in person at Adepticon this year. 
uh, and especially to Alex for letting me help out with the tournament. I don't think I've ever had so much fun in this hobby, and I didn't even get to play a single game. Um, but the reason I thought I'd leave a voicemail is for the other listeners who might be like me. Uh, for years, Age of Sigmar has mostly been a personal hobby, and I'm very shy and not always great about putting myself out there and meeting new people. So if that sounds like you, just know that this is the most friendly and open community I've ever encountered, uh, not just in my hobby, but in professionally and even personally. Um, so you owe it to yourself to go out there uh, to an event like Adepticon or the many others throughout the world and just uh, introduce yourself and find like-minded people to share this hobby with. Uh, even the most competitive players I've met, some of them YouTube or podcast celebrities, uh, are so open and excited to chat about painting and lore just as much as they are to talk about strategy and tactics. So back to Dave and Alex. Thank you for putting on this awesome podcast, but also everything you do for the community, uh, including welcoming introverts like myself and helping us feel comfortable meeting others in the hobby. I hope to see you guys at future events throughout the year. Thanks again. Bye. That was so nice. Yeah, I've been meaning to get in touch with him because <laughs> he's <laughs> only about 40 minutes south of me. Oh, really? And, yeah, it's just been trying to figure out a time to get a schedule. But, no, like, he came up on to Adapticon, and he sent us an email saying he was willing to come up and help. Right. Um, and he just showed up, and he just helped out for both days, uh, checking lists and just hanging out and, like, getting to meet people, which oh, yeah. is really, like, the big strength of, like, Adepticon and everything. Absolutely. So, no, that is a very awesome dude, and we need to get him to more events. Agreed. Uh, all right, so that's all the voices. I'm, see, oh, I'm, I'm already in just such a great mood. So, hey, um, let's let's um, not take a break yet. Um, Probably smart. Yeah. Let's, uh, we got a couple of things to do. Uh, so mm-hmm. why don't we move into an abbreviated toolbox because we can move. Do I see what you did. <laughs> move into an abbreviated toolbox. And, um, yeah, because we can do that during a, yeah. during a book review now because of this new fancy thing. It's actually not fancy yes. at all. Um, no. So we're breaking up all of our book reviews now because basically to record them all in one stretch is a pain, to edit them all in one stretch is a pain, um, and to listen to it all in one stretch is probably a pain. Um, you guys are masochists, basically. So what we're doing is we're going to split this up. Today it's Beasts of Chaos lore. So we're going we're gonna to talk all about the lore uh, don't turn it off yet. Um, we are not waiting till next episode to put out the other part uh, where we talk more about the War Scrolls and the rules and the gaming. Um, that's going to follow within a couple of days, just as soon as Alex and I can get it recorded and I can get it together. So we're going to try to put them out within like 48 hours of each other um, in the best case scenario. But so today you're going to get lore and in a couple of days you're going to get war. So that's what we're yeah. doing. Yeah. So we're going to try to hoof it through all of this. And... <laughs> yeah, buddy. Uh, so, yeah. So let's jump into an abbreviated tool brock. Bro- tool brocks. Uh, I don't need that. Doesn't even fit anything. Brought to no. you by Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. 
cares? Well, what have you been working on? Oh boy. Okay, so um, I put together, um, or I'm putting together the Molog's Mob for Underworlds, just because I want to try it. Um, I've been having a lot of fun playing Underworlds lately, so I've been building the other crews and seeing what else I can do. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm still working on the Lord of the Rings box, getting everything put together and and primed, and I built a box of evocators and sequiturs. Wow. Yeah, well, you know what? I have, I'm impressed. You got their names right. Well, I wrote it down oh. because all day I was calling them sequiturs and non sequiturs, but that's that's not going to cut it because that could be anything. But yeah, look at me. Don't know the names. Sequiturs. And actually, I don't. Uh, yeah, I'm not even certain. I, I, which is which? To be honest, I got to figure it out. All I know is I was going through my my. Uh, the, what's left of the uh, Stormcast stuff I haven't built and trying to get it all built, so at least it's built and primed in that way. Because I keep going to the tournament. I don't have any of the new stuff. Heck, I don't even have the stuff from when Neve Black Talon came out in that box. Like, mm-hmm. I'm running... The Vanguard. Yeah, I mean, I'm still running... I mean, I've got... What, what do I have? I got Liberators, Judicators, Retributors. And then I got, like, five of the... Of the uh, the guys with the long spike. Jacothian Garden? No, I got two of those. No, but I got... Protectors. Protectors. And they'll... And, oh, and I built... Uh, what are they called? Um, the the guys who aren't protectors or retributors. Decimators. Those, because I think that'll be fun against a horde army of, of little monsters. Sure. So, yeah, look at that. I'm, I'm building other stuff, and apparently they're kind of good to take, so... This might be fun. This might this might bring up my uh, my stormcast uh, list a notch. Okay, well, I don't know. Maybe not. Are you thinking it's not? Mm. Okay. I don't know. I'm not super jazzed on the cast right now. Um, on but... the cast, eh, you're pretty friendly with him, huh? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like I look at him, and it's like. I want sick to death of painting them. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I want to do something with them, but I don't know if I want to continue with my current scheme or if I want to do a whole new Stormcast. So, not sure. Don't you dare close your eyes. So, um, what was I going to say? Nothing. You said a whole new... Forget it. That was a stretch of a reference. Wow. Shimmy Christmas. Yup, yup. <laughs> this is a hot start. So, um, yeah, that's what I've been doing. How about you? Um, well, I finished putting together. What did I finish putting together? Another Mangler Squig. So I now have all of my Gloom Spike gets stuff put together. And I actually just finished a unit of nine Morsar Guard. For my Deepkin, I, I'm i trying to up my game at tournaments because you I seem to like, do okay, but I haven't like pushed myself to the limit yet, so I'm trying something a little, uh, a little stinky uh, for Brew City, oh. so I had to do a uh, unit of nine Morsar Guard. So I took the Dark Eldar Mandrakes. And oh, I saw these. 
Yeah, no, I've not put a lot of pictures on the internet of them yet. Um, but I took uh, Dark Eldar Mandrakes and gave them arms from the Dread Spear kit uh, and put them on top of converted screamers where I cut off most of the extra eyes and filed down their tummies so, so they didn't have like all their spikes and extra stuff on them so, so they look more like a bat manta ray. So they're actually like surfing ah. going in. So the idea was to kind of do like a deepkin version of a Doomfire Warlock in a way. Like it's a deepkin tainted by the realm of Ulgu, which is where my enclave is based out of. So I wanted to do something a little different. And the conversion actually looks a lot better than I thought it would. So I'll post some pictures up uh, within the next day or two. I'm still doing some extra freehand on them. So, yeah. Huh. Well, that's a lot more cool than the stuff I'm doing. Well, yes, it's not Stormcast. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in a bit of a, you know, just just trying to build what's on the shelves. No, no, you got to get it done. It's really what it is. Honestly, as long as it's built and primed, I'm a step closer because I can always put on the blue and the white and get it. I mean, at this point, it's... Pretty much, you know, I know the formula. Mm-hmm. Um, but until I can decide what else I want to do, I'm not buying new stuff. I've literally right. held off. Re- I've been really good. Like, especially reading all these books and really wanting to buy and build more stuff. I mean, I mm-hmm. almost went out and I almost went out and bought Fire Slayer stuff. And I, ah, I missed the Darden. And I was like, wait, what are you, stupid? You don't want to paint a lot of the one of the same thing. Why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. So I looked back and said, oh, "I got to keep building this death and night haunt models I have up here." So until I pick it, I'm just going to be boring and doing the same two armies. It's okay. Eventually, you'll snap on the brass stampede. <laughs> wow! Yeah, you know it's uh, it looks it's pretty cool looking. Uh, that are mm-hmm. that are all those. See, and that's the thing. I kept thinking, or maybe the orcs on the pigs, but then it's like, well, then I'd like to add in some of those brutes because they're pretty cool and that and other stuff. And then it was like, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, I started to get distracted. What can I do? (laughs) So have you been doing any gaming? Yeah, actually. I just played at a tournament at my local store, Cataclysm Games, in McChesney Park. Uh, They had a one-day, three-round tournament. Uh, 2,000 points, custom scenarios. I took a modified version of what I'm taking to Brew City. Um, I went 3-0, and won the event, uh, got to play uh, Nick. He works at the store, but he also runs uh, Blighted Brush Studios. You can check them out on Twitter. Uh, really awesome painter. Uh, he had the smallest Nurgle army I've ever seen, um, and he had no great unclean ones, which has made it even weirder. Because like his whole army was a couple of characters, a blight cyst, and horticulous slimex in his battalion. Oh, so I think all he put down was like fifteen or twenty plague uh, blight kings, gut rot spume, horticulous three beasts, and a couple other characters. Oh, wow! Yeah, it was like the smallest army I'd ever seen for Nurgle, and it's like okay, um, but. No, it was a fun game, and I got to play against Mark Ramzik out of Milwaukee with his corn, trying out the new book. Um, he ran four Bloodthirsters at me, because that's what Mark does. Um, 
he's in the tyrants of blood formation, um, which is pretty nasty, not going to lie. Um, but I was able to catch him on high tide in my turn, so my whole army got to swing first before his bloodthirsters did. Uh-oh. So that helped a lot. That and high then, tide thing is gross. It is when it goes off. And I had Voltornis hiding behind that nine pack of eels. So that helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the last game I played against uh, Joe Zerlich or Cody, I, or Joe, Joe Cody, um, kind of works either way, uh, with his Stormcast, actually playing Hallowed Knights. Oh. Um, and that came down to the last turn, and I got the double going into four to five and ended up squeaking it by a point or two. So well that was done. a lot of fun. Really good day of gaming. Well done. Yeah, and of the eight of us that showed, three were playing corn. Oh, so geez. I think there was like a grand total of like eight or so bloodthirsters that made it to the table. It's like, grief. <laughs> Well, that would be appropriate if it was eight bloodthirsters. Would yeah, it, not? it would be. And eight players. That is a corn tournament, isn't it? It was. It was. And each one of them had the hex gorgers. Oh, boy. And I fortunately only had one wizard that didn't really do anything. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do? How about you? Oh, uh, I've been playing Underworlds kind of a bunch. Nice. Because uh, it's nice and quick and I can play it with other people. Um Wow. And uh, well, I mean, just I don't have a lot of people around who are, you know, who have necessarily all the time or uh, that we can our schedules jive to go, you know, meet at the game store and have a full on game. But mm-hmm. if I just keep the uh, Underworlds case in the car, you know, no time for a game. But, hey, I got Underworld, you know, we pull that out and we'll play. And then uh, Christopher has been playing a lot of Vampire the Eternal Struggle, which is the card game for the vampire role playing game. And oh. uh He's been bringing that over because he's, he's been going into the city and even going to his, see his friends in Indiana, and then they'll go play that for a whole day or a weekend. So then he came over, and I haven't played it since the game came out a decade ago. So, But he's been bringing it by, and we've been we've been playing that a bit. We'll probably do a Garage Gamer on it because we've been having a lot of fun with that game. Even though it's not Warhammer, it's pretty cool. So we've been playing that. That's basically been my gaming. Hmm. So I haven't gotten any regular. Oh, I mean, well, I've been getting some small games in, but they're like demo games because I'm still getting, we're getting people in a Warhammer club and there's always a new face popping in. Mm-hmm. And so somebody's got to get them, you know, a demo, let them see what it's like to play. So I bring one of my fat mats and I bring a, I got a tub here of just, you know, a bunch of the, the Citadel terrain and we put it out and we play about a thousand points. And I just let him get a feel for the game. So we've been playing a lot of little tiny games. Um, but uh, regular full-on games like you were playing, I haven't had a chance. So, mm-hmm. You got any other? Uh, no. I've watched The Meg maybe three times <laughs> on HBO. Um, I saw just... like half of it. It's... <laughs> I love Jason Statham. He's just, he cracks me up. Yeah, it has everything, the good quality of a sci-fi, like the channel sci-fi movie. Um, but it's actually like it hits all the tropes. 
And I know it's not a particularly amazing movie, but it was better than Big Trouble in Little China. So. No, okay, first of all, it's a terrible movie, but it's fun. And Big Trouble in Little China is better. You're just mistaken. That's on heavy rotation right now. Almost every time I turn the TV on, that's been on. I watched that a couple times last week. Conan the Barbarian was on yesterday. I've been watching the, some of that stuff. But right now, I, uh, that's about it until Thursday, which is when this episode should drop. Thursday, uh, I will be. Uh, I got tickets to take the kids to go see uh, Endgame. At, is it though? Yep. It's it's really the end. Well, you know of this of this story cycle, yeah. Okay. This group of stories is coming to a conclusion, but there's always more. You always got other things going on. But yeah, we got tickets for six because my youngest needs to be in bed about nine thirty, and I figured it's twenty minutes of previews, three hour movie that ends at around nine twenty, and we only live like ten minutes from the theater, so I'm like, it should be close. Yeah, but this way if we're she not out fall super late. During. No, she won't. Oh, okay. But that's that. So that's we actually did a toolbox, which we haven't done in weeks. And look, we didn't talk about anything that's coming out. The Fire Slayers just dropped. Slanesh is coming out in the, in a couple of weeks. Um, just all sorts of, all sorts of coolness is just dropping. Oh, and then today they put out some, uh, weird video, um, like the matrix, except it's for contrast. Yes. I'm assuming the new paint line has to do with contrast and something that's going to be, make it quick and simple. Cause that seems, Maybe. To, that seems to be their goal with, I mean, even back when they were like, Oh, look, our washes. Remember when they came with the washes, like you could just spray it white and then just paint a whole model with just washes. Yeah, because you can. Yeah, because you can. Uh, maybe this is be something like that. I mean, I can't see them being like, oh, here's something complicated because they seem to be aiming for the for the newcomer. So that's just my guess. I got I, no inside knowledge. I don't either, but their production value for their teasers and promos is just amazing. And seeing Peachy as Morpheus. <laughs> yeah, nope, that, that's good stuff. That was fun. That was a fun video. All right, so let's actually do take a break, and then when we come back, we're going to start up when talking about the Beast of Chaos lore. We will be right back. Folks, Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted boarded miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get.
Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well, then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right. Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. And we are back talking about the Beast of Chaos lore. Yes, sir. Oh, uh, I, you know, um, this book's a little funny, I think. Like, there are some elements that are samey samey throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like how everything for corn is blood and skulls. A lot of this, you got this whole theme running. It's all brutality and strength and instinct and spreading anarchy and ruin and running right towards your enemy. Howling and waving axes. Um, this comes through this whole thing, you know. Um, I thought it was interesting, though. I thought I liked that they um, sort of expanded a little bit. I mean, this is, there's more here than there was in the last uh, Beastman book, uh, sort of about their history. You know, they were the alpha predators in the realms before the age of myth. Um, before Sigmar comes in and is like, no, no, we got to clear these guys out. They're they're a nuisance. Yeah, but the thing is, they were there before Sigmar showed up. Yeah. They, so they were already there when the rooms were created. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's that that really lends for a cool story. Like I said, they were the alpha predators in everywhere before Sigmar showed up, and then he starts cleaning them out, and then the Age of Chaos starts, and they're able to sort of make a bit of a comeback. And now the Age of Sigmar starts, and they're getting attacked again. But boy, do they like fighting Stormcast. They just hate. They are like the 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 symbol of all that is order. And these guys are the the complete opposite. I also like uh, in this book the whole theme that they are they're almost like a separate part of chaos. Yeah, it's the unfettered like savagery, just complete anarchy. So it's almost like they're the true children of chaos. That's how they see themselves. Yes. It's just anarchy unleashed. Yeah, and they're trying to, like, what, weaken the the walls between the realms of chaos and and, uh, and the mortal realms? Sort of bring it all sort of together back into this real primordial state? It's, mm-hmm. it's almost like the de-evolution Yes, in fact, there that that pops up a couple of times in the book. Um, I guess shall we jump into it? I guess. Uh, sure. So, um, we start off uh, from the wilderness. They come, and you get your bit of background. You know, they're coming. The with, you know, with brutal blades and vicious horns, they hack and gouge the flesh of their enemies, crushing the works of smiths and artisans to rubble beneath their gnarled hooves. These are the true children of chaos. There you go. 
and through them, anarchy and ruin are spread across the lands of the civilized races. Um, this whole thing, good, good titles, good little subsections, manifest savagery on the warpath. Everything is just about it's 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 brutal killing, but it's not. It 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 manages to get its own flavor in an army that doesn't seem to have its own flavor. If you know what I mean, like beasts are cool and all. Like I didn't like them when I first started playing, mm-hmm. but um, they managed to make them have some elements in here that seem pretty fun. But it's they're not like brutal and cunning like the orcs, and they're no. de- and they're definitely not. Even their fighting is. I mean, even though all they want to do is they just the orcs want to have a good scrap. These things just want to kill and and level everything. Like any sign of civilization. But it's a it's about straight up murder with these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's got a bit of a different flavor, but it's also not like any of the stuff from Chaos either. Yeah, because Chaos has a purpose because it obviously serves the god or gods that whatever champions worship, mm-hmm. and they're trying to further the aims of their master. With these guys, it's the one goal at the end of the day is to break everything down. And destruction, you could argue, is kind of the same thing. But these guys are... It's different. It's not destruction for destruction's sake. It's destruction with a purpose. Yeah. I mean, we've read stories where the orcs have a city almost destroyed and then stop because the fight's gone out of them. It's no fun anymore. Mm-hmm. Even though they didn't actually sack the city. It's like, ugh, no. These guys kind of suck now. They're no fun. Whereas that would not happen you know, with this army. No, it's breaking everything down brick by brick. Yeah. Now, I mean, okay, if you're listening, you probably have some concept of beastmen. They, they're half man, half beast. But it's it's interesting because they're literally half man and half beast. They're not. They're they're part mortal and part chaos. Um, mm-hmm. Not like people who you know sign on for things and then get in. Like they're. <laughs> There's something wholly other, and that's the part of this I really like. Now, obviously, they look, you know, they're half human, half beast. They look like, you know, the, the Ungors look like little, you know, Mr. Tumnus's little, you know, fawns or whatever. Like a satyr. Yeah. Whereas the uh, the Gores are, you know, they're they're big. They're bigger than men. They're stronger. Um. I like, then they get, you know, then they talk about the bull gore, which, you know, look like minotaurs. Um, mm-hmm. But then there's even accounts of fish-headed gores and shark-like bull gores that live deep in the seas. You know, I love when you get little drops like this. They may, nothing may ever come of it, but man, that's cool. And that's something that would be, if, if there's never, never even a model for it, it would be cool if that stuff comes up in the fiction somewhere. Yeah, but it also gives you that inspiration to do a very unique and aquatic-themed Beast of Chaos army. Oh, sure. Because if you wanted to do, like, shark-headed bulgors, um, then you'd be looking at an Alapex, probably for your head. You just have to figure out the rest of them. It's just, I can't imagine anything, because just with how the bulgors are modeled, without it looking like a street shark. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, and that's it. Yeah, because and even the fish heads, like that. How's that gonna? Yeah, I can't quite picture it, but I think it sounds pretty neat. I'd like to see if someone else, what if someone else comes up with, because we all know I got nothing. But 
Um, now, the part that I, I liked in this beginning part is where they're really trying to show what they are. They're driven by twisted instinct and primal desire to slaughter and despoil, but they also have intelligence and reasoning, but only insofar as it allows them to enact ruin upon the realms. What intelligence they have only serves the basest human drives of greed, contempt, bloodlust, and rage. Um, I'm surprised that hunger isn't mentioned in there. Especially when it talks about like the Bulgors. Right. And that um, they might come under the a combination of the bloodlust and the greed. Yeah. Because they don't, they don't, most of them don't need our, I mean, they'll take armor and weapons because why not? Mm-hmm. But they don't want any of the other stuff, so most of them. So that, I think that greed comes in in that place. It's kind of crazy, though. Like, they are literally just full of rage and hate for the, the... The the beast side has them so strongly that they just are contemptuous of the human half of themselves. And the the only bits of humanity that come through are, like, the worst parts. I did also notice in here... Um, I mean, obviously, the, you know, they're... The, they're not necessarily everywhere, but there are rumors and and superstitions about you know people don't go into the wild places because you don't want to run across them and stuff like that. I like that the deep can call them the soulless ones. Did you catch that? I did. I wonder if that literally means so. Like, can they not? I mean, I'm assuming in game terms they could. I. They have those guys that capture souls. Does any of that happen? Is that is there anything in the game that is like soul cap? Is there any characters or anything who do something like that? Because um, I mean, soul capturing is like a part of their whole lore, the right? Spirit and I guardians them. for Night Haunt, mm-hmm. um, but they restore souls. The spirit torments, traps souls. Same with the chain gas. But I'm talking with the Deepkin because I just wondering because the Deepkins they they take all those souls right I mean that's what they're doing yeah so. they take the souls to feed the, the Namardi yeah the only one that like is an actual like collective part is the Soul Render okay I'm just wondering I, this would be this you know we're, we're we're almost trained by this point to start looking for these little drops in the books. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering if there's anything about like, maybe they can't really feed off of these or maybe they can't use the the beast souls. Like they would use, the, you know, the, the other the other race, like a more human or more. I'm trying to think, well, they can a get, less feral. Yeah, because they can get human, they can get Dwarden, they can get uh, Elvish, they can. I I believe they they can get Orc and Ogre. I mean, heck, even Skaven possibly, but you know, mm. they specifically call these the soulless ones. Yeah, so I think it's if, maybe that they can't use them. Because that's, that's kind of an interesting little bit there. Yeah. But it also kind of makes sense. If you can't use these things, then they really are a blight on everything. Right. Which is what they boil down to. Because if the Ideneth can't even use them, if the Ideneth can't use them, Nagash maybe can't use them. Yeah, that's true. So maybe they are the blank, the nothing. That's weird that the chaos half of them is just there's there's a human side, but it's so debased and so feral, like you said, that they can't. That, that, ah, see, like I just when I read that, I started thinking about that. That's the type of stuff that I think about 
when I'm reading these books. Look for weird stuff they say and then read too much into it. Yeah, but it's <laughs> could it be possible, though? I think so. Uh, let's see what else is in here. Um, you know, you get the, the basic stuff. And this is the stuff when you're reading the stories that never quite comes out on the table, but, you know, a score of these. So 20 of these guys about can terrorize a whole village and its surrounding lands for years. Uh, they gather up in what's called Great Phrase, um, which is hundreds of beast herds. So hundreds of, you know, armies come together to, to form a great fray. No formal organization. Whoever's the strongest, the most cunning, they get to be in charge uh, until someone challenges them that they can't kill for challenging them. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, like I said, this runs through the whole... I, I noticed as I was taking down notes and typing this stuff up, I was typing a lot of the same things over and over again. Um, There's a lot of like this idea of like survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm. And the apex predator. And yes. that just keeps coming up and coming up and coming up. Right. Um, so then they, they are split into three groups. Um, if you are uh, if you only have gore breeds, your gore, your ungore, your centigore, that type of stuff, I guess, that's a bray herd. If you're all bull gores, you're a war herd. And if you're all dragon ogres, you're the, what, thunderscorn? Is that what they're called? Yeah, thunderscorn. Yeah, thunderscorn. So that's, now they can be mixed up. But then you've got these. I mean, they're all in the same book, but that's like your three your three basic breakdowns. Um, I did. yeah, they describe it as with beasts vary greatly in size and composition, but the shape of each being dictated by the tenacity of their alpha beast and their preferred form of savagery. Yeah, preferred form of savagery. Nice. Um. <laughs> So they, you know, they come in there, you know, there, there are a lot of, we're going to charge right at you, charge and kill. And the biggest of us is running up to the front to get the most impressive kills because someday I hope to be an alpha as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, uh, you do get variations on this, you know, with the gores and the bray herds doing a lot of ambush stuff. The thunder scorn. And it goes from the Bray Herds ambushing in lots of bodies to Bulgores, which is fewer bodies, bigger guys rushing up. And then, if you really want to get stupid, just big units of dragon ogres just flying across the table. And, uh, yeah, that's another army that you could do with a, a very few uh, very few models. Yeah, there's a couple of builds in here that you don't need a lot for. Yeah, and it... it there's a lot of stuff in here when we get to the war section that I this stuff, I'm like, oh, that sounds like fun. Like some of the beasts yeah. and stuff they could bring in. I'm like, this sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I competitive think, it is. I'm sorry. Go ahead, though. No, no. I think with this one, uh, as we go through it, like, I didn't have that many notes on the lore compared to when we get to the war. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's not just because, like, my focus is the gaming part of it it's just i don't know it felt like there wasn't as much meat on the bone because what there's no like central character with beasts that you can like grab onto no i don't think there's a single named character in this book is there there? isn't uh i think the reason for that is because none of them survive long 
Well, that's the thing. You only lead until so, I mean, literally, the moment you show weakness, somebody else is going to challenge you. Yeah, and then at that point, you're dead. Yeah, or you win and you fight another battle, and then the next time somebody's going to challenge you. So it, yeah, it's 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 kind of there's a and there like we've already said, there's a lot of repetition. Um, yeah, but there are still some interesting things that we should definitely go through and hit in here. Mm-hmm. Um. Then we get into the a bit of the origin stories popping up. You know, they've been in the mortal realms, like you said, since before Sigmar showed up, they were here. They were the embodiment of the mortal realm's most primal fears. They were nightmares of flesh and blood that came to maim and kill. So Sigmar and his allies are just cleansing the realms of these guys, right? Um, and so they wind up pulling back into the far-off regions of the realms. Like, they're, they know they're losing, Rather than stay and fight and completely die, they pull back to the outer edges of the realms, uh, far off from the civilizations. They hate Sigmar. They hate him. They hate all of his friends. Um, they resent that they've been sort of pushed back into the into the edges. This place was all theirs, and now these guys have come in and ruined it. Um, now, when the Age of Chaos starts up, then they're like, ooh, they got a chance, and they they start, you know, they start making their way back in, you know. Um, and it's not. Until- I think it's like what we know about the realms and the composition of the realms. If they're being pushed out towards the edges, in the untamed parts, sets where the strongest composition or strongest. I'm trying to think of the word concentration. Uh, concentration. That's the word that I don't have, of realm stone is. Oh, the you, realms. there's a lot so, more chaos energy out there. It's not even just the chaos energy, but it's also like the mutating effects. Like we've seen like some description about how the realms affect those that live there. Yes. But these guys are getting pushed to the spots where they can become more warped and more infused with that. So and, you may see a little more of that extra mutation on top of a mutation. Yeah, that was one of the cool things in here. I'm, I, when I'm reading it, it's how it talks about how uh, Ulgu beasts may have ink black skin or manes like wafting mist, while in Gairan, some spout pelts of tangled grass and horns of knotted wood. So you could mm-hmm. you could do them up that way. Uh, and then, it, of course, when you get to the realms, they start doing things. Uh, just as the carrion flocks of Shyish are driven to strip every last scrap of flesh from their prey, so too are the beasts of Cass who dwell in that domain. Um, you know, that that sort of bits. Like, just little things uh, that come together. The interesting stuff, and this is the part that really grabs uh, my attention, is when they talk about... Um, you know, the nature of chaos, they are both man and beast. They are both chaotic and natural. They were not created by the chaos gods. They are something completely separate. In fact, the the cool little bit here at the end is how uh, some people believe that the beasts of chaos were what actually drew the attention of the dark gods to the mortal realms. You know, apparently they were having a celebratory high five after the destruction of the world that was and didn't pay much attention to, to see all the stuff that happened in the mortal realms. All these great phrase, uh, you know, way before Sigmar showed up, back, you know, before the age of myth, um, butchering and burning their way across these landscapes. Um, 
that's giving rise and giving strength to those little bits of chaos energy that were in the realms that had managed to make it into the realms, you know, through the through the veil. Um, and that energy bump in those bits of chaos are what sort of drew their attention. Now, that's just a theory. There's, mm-hmm. there's as many theories as there are realms and, and places in those realms. But I kind of like that. You know, they've been here before this. They were here and they were a, a true child of chaos before chaos had made its way in here. So then the question is, then they're sort of chicken and egging it. Well, did they actually draw the chaos gods over this way? Right. Um, then they've got a bunch of these legends. This is some pretty cool stuff here. Uh, the alpha progenitor. Just one second. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, no problem. So here's one of these parts where we get a whole bunch of little stories in here, uh, and they're pretty cool. Uh, I like that they think that the there's there's this alpha progenitor, the first you know from the original great fray, and who they got. It could be a god beast or the ever hungering Ravenac. Um, and they but. These beast herds worship this, calling him the Gore Father, you know. Um, they believe that there was a first one and that after he sort of gorged himself on these first battles, he had these herd stones which then birthed forth the the beast men as we know it. Um, that's just one of several little stories on this page. I don't know if anything stuck out to you, Alex, that you wanted to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're they're fun little stories here, um, you know. How, how a lot of times people go out to where the herd stones are, and how it, the 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 chaos power there is so vast and so thick that they kind of they go crazy, and then guess what? They get transformed into beastmen. Yeah, it's the de-evolution. Yep. So there's really there's like I said, there's great uh, great little bits. If if you are interested in beastmen. Those are little parts worth reading, worth going into. Um, what do we got next? Let's let's uh, let's keep plugging along here. Now, this next part they talk about is the true children of chaos, and this is this is where it gets interesting. Um, mm-hmm. They like what the what the chaos gods do. Like they look at the destruction that those guys bring down, and they're like, "Wow, that's amazing!" You know, a corn army just pillaging through the lands and, and leveling everything in its way and stacking up the skulls. It's amazing. However, whereas you used to have Korngor and Pestigor and, well, now we have Zangor, but that used to be a more prevalent. Like, those were actually things that, you know, people used a lot. Um, <clears throat> they seem to have dropped most of that in favor of just the beast. They, they don't. They don't really want to work for any of the chaos gods. In fact, asking for help, it makes you a, a weakling. Um, if you are just begging for someone to hand you a, a, a reward or hand you power, that's shameful to them. 
which is kind of a neat little little twist that they threw in here. Um, if you have to, yeah, pick- it's the strength that you have to do it on your own. Yeah, and if you have to ask for help, you are not the strongest. Even if it is, you know, just a matter of you're devoting yourself to who you believe, because they even mention it here um, with regards to like the beast getting gifts from their patron. Um, a beast thus transformed is typically branded a pariah and butchered by its own herd. Yeah. Now that's not always, as we find out as we're going through here. There are some herds who don't give a crap. Mm-hmm. Um, but they even like if they wind up in in a great fray, they're off on the periphery. Like the the rest of them don't want them too close. Um, I like this. Nothing nothing freely given to you as a gift is worth having. It's only worth having if you can take it and keep it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, they yeah. don't, and they do go into little sections about each one of the chaos gods and how they interact with the beastmen. Mm-hmm. Yes, the great game uh, and how they get manipulated. There's some really fun bits there. Um, Here it is. They consider themselves the only true children of chaos, the mortal embodiment of anarchy. The beast that gives itself over to ruinous powers only denies itself the freedom of the pure chaos. So then it talks about, uh, let's see, corn sends demons and mortal worshippers into the wild lands where they stir up the fury of the beast hordes, whether they follow his armies or they attack his armies because they don't want anything to do with having a single chaos patron. What does corn care? I tell you what he doesn't care. Do you know what he doesn't care about? Where the blood flows as long as it flows. That is correct. So he'll send guys in there, whoop them into a frenzy, and if they follow him and kill more things, great. If they attack his followers, that's fine, too. Um, Zinch goes after the Bray Shamans, um, giving them all sorts of weird visions to sort of get them, you know, going in the direction he wants. Nurgle, you know, does does Nurgle's thing um, by getting them all, uh, you know, by make Nurgle does Nurgle, right? I mean, we all know what we're talking about here. Yeah, but the thing with the Beastmen and Nurgle, I always found interesting because, like, even in like the Libra Chaotica, mm-hmm. when that was a thing that you could get, the Beastmen was mentioned in the Book of Nurgle, and I found that interesting because, huh. again, the de-evolution, the cycle of life that follows with Nurgle, because these guys break things down to its basest form, which is then fertile soil for Nurgle to rise. I see. So I always thought that that was a little more coherent with Beast was the Nurgle aspect. It seems more so than like Zinch or Slanesh. Uh, Slanesh, by the way, who does not take any part in manipulating the great phrase. He's been imprisoned and uh, he doesn't... uh, he doesn't even try to get them to do stuff. Although they tend to do stuff for him, whether intentional or not, because as they start to revel in all sorts of killing, and the sense and the sounds and the and the and the textures and the taste of the killings, that uh, and it's the excess. Oh yes. of the slaughter. Yeah, so that's 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 kind of how Slanesh gets in there, even though he's not trying to manipulate them. 
But yeah, it's this whole concept that yeah, it's there if you want, but most you know, when you're, when you're playing on the tabletop, who cares? You know, if, if that's what you think is cool, you can still hear, you can play it. But lore wise, these guys people don't like them. I just I like I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do we have? Uh, let's see, Way of the Beasts. I. I do like a little bit here. Thoughts of mercy and compassion are utterly alien concepts to the beasts of chaos. You know, the, so they they have no mercy, they have no compassion, they don't any any sort of you know positive emotion. Um, they don't even get like what why why show mercy if it's weaker than you kill it. Now they they do actually show mercy um, when. You know, giant herds come across other herds. They have a tendency to fight with one another. And if your herd, dis- you know, is about rather than destroy my herd, you beat them into submission, kill off as much as you need. And then if there's any weaklings, they die too because we don't like weaklings. But if you're one of the, if you're a big, strong, strapping beast man um, <coughs> in the beast man army, and your army is beaten, um. If you survive until that point, they may just slack off and say, "Look, you can just join us. You've, you know, you're, you've survived through this much of the fighting. You're probably pretty good. You can join us." And they become just part of it, though. There's no weird, you know. Oh, you, you, you. I've been here for years. You just join now. Like, there's none of that. There's no gatekeeping going on in Beastmen. If you, if they attack and they beat up your your herd. And you're chosen to join them. That's just that's your herd now. That's your new family. And there's no because they don't have any real attachments either to these other to these other beasts that might have just gotten killed in their own. Uh, that's another theme. We're going to get to this later. But those poor Ungor, they get treated as bad as Noblars used to get treated. Yeah, they're pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, it was even like back in the day when they were mixed units. Of mm-hmm. gores and ungores, oh, they were in a herd that. formation. Yeah, yeah. Where the gores would pick up the ungores to use as missile shields first. <laughs> and why not? Yeah, the weak die, so the strong live. Yep. Um, what else do we have in, in this section? Um, oh, they don't care about technology. They destroy all the complex contraptions they can find, but they'll still steal weapons, weapons and armor. Mm-hmm. They'll take. Uh, all now. Oh, so this is the thing. The, um, they're happy to take the stuff that they rip. Taking a weapon away from a dead enemy, a good-looking weapon that you earned it, right? You killed them and you took this from them. And that goes back to talk about again from chaos. Yes, I could get the same powers from chaos, a boosted strength, or that you know, or whatever it is. You know, you know, bigger, tougher, you know, spikier horns, whatever it is. But when they give it those powers to you, they can take those powers back. And, mm-hmm. and that's a huge thing with them is, well, you know, if I earn it, I'm holding on to it. And if you want it, come, come and kill me and get it. It's the keep what you kill mentality. Right. And just that's and it, I, it, it makes that whole explanation of why. They don't care for chaos, and they don't want their gift. So I, I didn't earn that, and it's not really mine because you can take it away just as easily as you gave it to me. So no thanks. Um, I do. Or worse, use it against me. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. So um, let's keep plugging along here a little bit. We got a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, the first column on page 13 uh, has a lot of like explaining why they also hate everything else. Yes. It's not just order because order, obviously they're looking upon the ornate baubles, the banners, the buildings, and then obviously Sigmar, they have a special uh, bit of hate for him, but it's also going at the devotees in Nagash. It's formal processions pour out of palaces and they the ranks and ranks of just yeah. silent marching troops. Ugh, mm-hmm. that is not it's how, order. Yeah, it's complete order. And again, it's the destruction, like green skin and ogres, who just do battle for battle's sake, and they just fight for the fight, as opposed to the desecration and the breaking everything down. And then they even talk about how they look down on the demon legions and mortal worshippers of the dark gods. How they attack Cornate Fortresses and Zemsh Libraries because that's a structure. Yeah. yeah. If you built something, they're coming to take it down because they build nothing. They're worse than ogres in some ways. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh you know, ogres have no use for a lot of that stuff and they just fight and kill and eat, but their 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 purpose isn't just because they hate everything and they want to tear everything down. They literally just want to watch the world burn. Mm-hmm. Burn everything down and we'll we'll you know put us back on top. Um yeah, to I them, love that it's section. Resetting the natural order. Yeah. Even yeah. though it makes it more unnatural, but it makes it natural at the same time. Well, I mean it is kind of natural. You it, it's pure nature. There's no it, you know, there's no us interfering with just the, you know, the animals living in the wild. It's knocking it back to uh I, I keep picturing it as almost as if, you know, knocking it to a, an an all animal state. Anything with higher reasoning and something that would try to build something to last some anything. That's like, "Oh, we got to kill destroy that and kill anybody who wants to do that." I think what it, it's more is it's a nat, the more natural cycle with unnatural things. Yeah, that well, yeah that 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 works better than mine. Um, let's talk about herdstones. Uh, I do before we move on to that. Oh, okay. Uh, the bottom section where they talk about their particular hatred for Sigmar. Uh, when we talked about Nihon and going through the Soul Wars. Nagash sees Sigmar as the soul thief, mm-hmm. and for the beasts, they see him as like a land thief. Like he is a cancer that has taken over and imposed that unnatural order. So it's just weird to see Sigmar in a different light, uh, depending on your point of view. Because for the beast, it's you took my lands, you made me weak. Yeah. So you've stolen that from me. Nagash sees him as a soul thief who's taken his rightful due. So it's just weird to see the guy that we kind of hold up as like the paragon of being good is in a very different light. Yeah. So that was the only thing I wanted to mention before we moved on to the Hearthstone. No, that's, that's, not, that's, that's actually a really good point. I had little things marked here, but I didn't have that written down. 
Uh, let's see, Herdstones. They are warp-infused substance of the realm in which they stand. They mark a beast herd's territory and serve as focal points for their anarchic bacchanals. Um, I like, no civilized mind has ever been in the presence of a Herdstone and maintained its sanity. Uh, before battles, they will revel around them. They will feast on raw flesh, consume copious amounts of fermented blood and bile, and the hunger for violence continues to grow. Um, the worst, actually, the the dark gods, the chaos gods, notice the worst of these gatherings. Sometimes they'll even give the herdstone their blessing. Try to, you know, sort of, you've drawn my attention. You're doing something cool. Here's a little blessing. Um... Some herds will then go go along with that, at least until the killing goes in some other direction that doesn't follow, you know, one of the dark gods' paths, because they're going to follow the killing in the anarchy. Uh, some of them, they uh, they just refuse the gift, and anything that's been affected or you know changed, they just kill them. Mm-hmm. And what does chaos care, really? I mean, you know, the chaos gods come in. Oh, look, you guys are doing really good. I could use you. No, we're not going to be used by you. All right, well, good, die. And then they just they kill everything that's connected to it, and it's no loss to it's no loss to the chaos gods. Might as well give it a shot, right? But by the same token, they do talk about like how a particularly uppity alpha beast can call for a herdstone to be tainted uh, to be torn down uh, if it's been blessed or however you or want to look cursed, at it by a chaos god, mm-hmm. but then you're insulting the pride of that particular chaos god, and you may also then get slaughtered by your own beast herd for affronting the gods, even though you yeah. don't really worship them. It depends on your strength of will and the strength mm-hmm. of your arm. You can, they could, I mean, they can go along with it, or they can say destroy it as long as they can back it up with brutality. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they're just so vicious and savage and nasty that a hurt they don't even have to make or, or or plant a herdstone. It'll just pop up out of the ground. That's kind of cool. Like the slaughter is getting so debased, the animals are getting so nasty that just. The thing that they, is the focus of all their hor- horrific things just manifests itself. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's a one piece of structure is a herd stone. But even then, it's nothing like structural. No, it's a big it's just- stone. And they're putting everything at the base of this pillar. And it um, the longer it stands... You know, it it keeps drawing in a lot of this chaos energy from from the beast men and from the things they're doing. Um, that'll start to actually affect the lands around it, and it can actually start, mm-hmm. as we've said, to start devolving the living. A herdstone is there long enough; it is the it, there's, the chaos just soaks into everything. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that's. Yeah, that's what a herdstone is. It's a great focus for all for their magic, for their 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 rage, um, and like you said, it's it's the, the only thing they build is look. We're going to stand this giant stone up on its side, and uh, here we go. Yay! That's our construction. 
Now let's dump blood and feces and, and intestines all over it. Because that'll make it awesome. It's also like the mark of a challenge, too. Well, that's true. It's like, this is the one thing that I build or mark my territory with. If you don't like it, come break it down. Oh, that's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's interesting. It's it's more than just, it's more than what we've gotten. I mean, this is so much more than we've had in years for them. Yeah, and, and for them, it's marking territory. Like animals, wild animals, naturally mark their territory again through use of bodily fluids or whatever. But for them, it's a little more concrete. Yeah, absolutely. Um. All right, now we're gonna now we're getting into some of the breakdowns of the the different uh, the different groupings. Let's try to do this and maybe the space timeline, and then take another break. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so you got bray herds, gores, ungores, and senegores. You got the biggest horn, the thickest mane, the most violence. You're in charge. Uh, the biggest guys also get the best weapons and armor because they can take them. Because what are you going to do? Uh, you know, so maybe they fought on on the battlefield and killed that guy. They want to take his stuff, or you know, they'll just hey, oh, that's nice. Where'd you? I I killed this guy on the battlefield and took it. All right, now I killed you and I took it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And they're they actually like impose some semblance of tactics into theirs, but it's more of a hunting uh, strategy, the ambushing. Uh, surprise attack sort of thing. That's the closest thing that they get to any sort of strategy. Yeah. Is the hunting beast sort of deal. The beast Lord who runs this show gets his big guys to just come right out in the open. They're coming straight up the guts at you right up the middle. But while you're looking at this big unit coming right up the middle, he has sent all the small units out to surround you. And that's the plan. Once you see beastmen coming from one direction, you could pretty much be sure if you're seeing them coming forward in the open, you're surrounded. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can't see them, but trust me, you've probably been surrounded. And, uh, oh, and, uh, yeah, that's pretty much most of what you need to know about the Bray Herds, I guess. Yeah, and then the only thing is, like, they're run by the Beast Lord, obviously, and then his most powerful followers of the Bray Shamans. They're the prophets. They're the ones that draw the energies and lead the rituals. Um, right. Oh, yeah, they tend the herd stones and that stuff, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, war herds, they're bullgores. And the gorgons and the cygors. Because, you know, when the bullgore's not big enough, get yourself some gorgons and cygors added in there. Um, they're the giant minotaurs. The the head bullgore is a doom bull, uh, and they are more feral and violent than the gorkin. Uh, they mm-hmm. don't they don't surround an ambush. They come right up the guts. You want to stand in front of it and try and stop them? Be my guest. Yeah, it's again, it's that challenge. I think is what it is. It's just here. I am. I'm going to run you over. And then I'm going to eat you. Uh, they're motivated a lot by uh, their curse of blood greed. 
So it's to consume what the raw flesh, not out of like hunger, but it's an insatiable need to desecrate the bodies of their victims. So even down to the basis level, that's their consumption. It's not hunger as a lot of it seems to be. It is, I'm breaking you down literally. Well, and part of it's hunger. I mean, there's a, there's a, you know, like you said, the theory is that they were not always this big, but they did worship some of the chaos power and they would, they would eat each other. They would kill even like like here when 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 the when in a bray herd you know a guy gets challenged he gets killed that's one thing here I challenge you and kill you I eat you and they're trying to apparently when you eat someone you get all their strength mm-hmm. so that's the plan so they're killing and eating each other all trying to be the strongest and that blood greed that curse of them constantly trying to absorb other people's strength became a focal point. In their actual makeup, um, to the point where they have to stop and eat what they're killing. That blood greed gets out of control. Um, and their herd storms are a lot more malformed than the Bray herds. The, the Bray herds herd stones they fancy. The the uh, war herd herd stones not so much. But some of them have been given so much blood and so much flesh since they've been made that now they're just actual muscle and blood. Like, they have veins and the blood's running. It it, it turns from a herd stone into a giant fleshy thing. It's kind of gross. A little bit. But that's... uh, That's with the war herds. And then you get uh, the Thunderscorn... Beast herds. Those are the dragon ogres, and the embodiment of the storm. Now, I these guys are cool. I never, I, I've never played against dragon ogres of any sort. Mm-hmm. Um, I only, I mean, not a lot of people around here play beast men, and I, you know, I only played them a little bit against them a little bit in eighth edition. But dragon ogres are just. I mean, they got that name for a reason. They're ridiculously large. Um, they basically yes. have. Dr- Dragon-ish bottom. It's if the if a centaur was a dragon bottom and a gore top, or an ogre, top. an ogre top, yeah. Um, because you need to be that size, right? That's kind of what it would be, and they are brutal and tough and strong, and they control lightning. Um, lightning doesn't hurt them; it help, helps them, but they will throw lightning down on everything else. Um. Now this is here's an interesting part because anytime you get stories that go back to the world that was, that always starts to grabs your attention. Mm-hmm. So they basically are they have eternal life. I mean, you can kill them, but they're never going to get old and die from just being old. Um, the older they get, actually, the stronger and better they get. So part of this was they had some sort of a deal with chaos that they could whatever power they got from them whatever they were doing it gave them the sort of immortality uh they have to do chaos's bidding you know in general but they're basically immortal but then that was all in the world that was so then the world that was is destroyed and one dragon over ogre shagath said to be as large as a mountain survived and passed into azir claiming the great swaths of the realm as its domain and stirring the first Thunderscorn Brayherd. Um, 
the pact they made with the ruinous powers just because their planet was destroyed doesn't mean they're out of the deal. So they're still they still have their immortality and they still owe fealty to chaos. I, I, but it's they call it doomed to bondage for another eternity. Yes, yeah, that is the phrase they use. I think it's weird that they've taken the power from the chaos gods but they're not considered weaker. Well, because it, the power they got is that is that immortality, and I think they were just kind of worshipping chaos in general. Wasn't that it? Maybe. Yeah. But you're asking for something instead of earning something by your own strength. No, that's true. They got eternal life in exchange for everlasting servitude to chaos. What are you gonna do? You gonna you gonna tell the dragon ogres they made a mistake? You get about halfway through that sentence before he steps on you. Truth, however, <laughs> it's just weird that the biggest and most ancient of their kind is the thing that they can't really stand. Well, yeah, I guess. So it's like that bitterness, like the self hatred. I guess that's their connection to it. Um, but that the beasts the, have. But they, they said they've sort of given themselves over to chaos, sort of undivided, I guess. As opposed to a particular god. Right. And I think that's where it gets away. Like, you don't see giant corn markings all over them, or giant, er, and they're not all nurgled out. Like, these are giant. Plus, and they do, they do respect strength and power, you know? And these guys are the biggest and the baddest. And without the obvious signs of chaos mutation for the different gods, maybe that's how they get away with it? Yeah. I mean, I see your point. I'm just trying to figure out why you know why it would work. Um, and I love how these guys landed in Azir. They love mm-hmm. the lightning. And so you get all the storms and the lightning. Uh, Sigmar showed up, kicked them all out, and locked the gates. And they are standing outside the gates, up on the highest mountains, where they can see into the city. And they are roaring challenges at him during the storms to open up and let us back in. And then you'll see what's what. And they kept doing it. Let us in and you'll see what's what. And then that didn't happen for the longest time. And then, obviously... The Age of Sigmar breaks, and he's like, okay, you can see what's what against these guys, and sends them out. Um, that's about, I think that's about it for uh, Dragon Ogres and Dragon Ogre Shoggoths. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then all you need to know is all the other, the, the weird beasts of chaos, the Chimeras, the Cockatrice, the Jabberslythe. Um, the Gargans. The Gargans, uh, Yeah. The big thing is that these things are drawn by the scent of blood, the violence, mm-hmm. whatever it is, whatever attracts these other things. Yeah, and they, um, but yeah, it's the great phrase going by, they're all about it. They get, the, the more violent, the more crazy it's getting, the more of these guys you're going to attract to your, to your, uh, to your fight. So. Yeah, or they're drawn to the power of the herd stones. Right. Um, it's because it's obviously, like it said, it's the magic that comes out of them where it draws in these creatures. Yep, 
this the call of chaos, wild magical chaos. Mm-hmm. Calling to them all. All right, um let's take a break. I think that's a good plan. Or how many have we had so far? Have we had two? This is our first break. Yep. Aside we- from going from toolbox to background. Okay. So yeah, so let's take a break here. Mm-hmm. We're at about one fifteen. We'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll go through the not no longer uh, big space timeline, just regular timeline, and then uh, we'll talk about uh, some of these different types of uh, beastmen. We'll get back. Okay, listeners, what's the number one rule of hobby gaming? Okay, well, the number one rule of hobby gaming is don't buy more models than you can paint, but we all break that rule constantly. So what's the real number one rule of hobby gaming? Support your friendly local gaming store. And my friendly local gaming store is Lindsay's Gamer Garrison in Wakanda, Illinois. No, not that Wakanda. And no, not that Lindsay. So why Lindsay's Gamer Garrison? What do they have to offer? First, they carry everything Games Workshop. 40K, AOS, Blood Bowl, Necromunda, Kill Team, all the paint line. They even have Black Library books. They offer special discounts every day. And if you do go in there and there's something out of stock, special order discounts that you won't believe. After you buy all your models, feel free to stay and paint them at their fully stocked, totally free to use painting station. And then, once your army's ready, sign up for one of Lindsay's monthly tournaments. That's right. They have a local one-day event every single month, alternating between 40K and AOS. And that's still not all. Monday is Build and Paint Day. Come in on Monday, work on your latest project, you get a raffle ticket. Come in and play Warhammer on Saturday, get a raffle ticket. Now, what's the raffle? Every month, two winners receive a $50 gift card to use on GW Products just for coming in and playing and painting and being part of the community. And that's not even all you get for coming in and being a part of the community. Come in for that Saturday gaming where you get a raffle ticket. You also earn a Lindsay's Gamer token. And when you have eight tokens, you can turn them in and get free entry into one of the tournaments that I just mentioned earlier. And that's why I love Lindsay's Gamer Garrison. Fully stocked with all the GW product you could want, and they're doing their best to reward you for being part of the gaming community. What more could you ask for? A place to play, a place to build, a place to paint, a place to hang out, and a place that rewards you for being there. Folks, if you're looking for one place that will satisfy all your hobby needs, you have to come and see Lindsay's Gamer Garrison in Wakanda, Illinois. We're back. We're back with the Annals of Entropy. And here we get our sort of timeline-y stuff. Um, there's little good things in here. Stuff from the Age of Myth. You know, um, you know the Bray Herds, you know, going against... And this is all stuff we talked about. Going against Sigmar and, and him and all the stuff he's doing. Um 
whole great phrase are eradicated. The all heard um, just doesn't seem to ever end. Even even when they push it back, more all heard shows up from other places. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they also bring in the idea of the sons of the Gore father. Um, they actually say that the Beast Lords say that Gorka Morka may someday become strong enough to fight the Gore father. That's how big and tough they think the Gore father is. Um, did any of this stuff really stand out to you? Anything you wanted to jump at in this? The big one for me is Purging of the Heavens um, because, again, it's what we talked about with the Thunderscorn um, with them being pushed out of Azir and now they're trying to f- actually find someone, which is the Krakenrock the Black, who is the oldest and greatest of their kin. I believe that's the dragon, that's the Shagath, the size of a mountain. Okay. Um, because they're trying to figure out what his fate was. Because if there was somebody that was going to challenge Sigmar, it would be a Shagath, the size of a mountain. Yeah, that would be that would be a tough fight. Yeah, and he's been mentioned like well before. The world that was is like the father of dragon ogres. Right. So to have that name still be in here, but again, we don't know where he is. Always laying little seeds for more storylines. Um, there was some interesting stuff about when uh, the overlords took to the skies and suddenly just no one knew what happened to them until their ships came raining out of the sky on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Great De-Evolution is another great story. Um, basically everyone succumbs to, you know, these ideas of that everyone succumbing to the warping power of chaos and just being turned into basically beasts of chaos. It gets, it gets gross and and crazy. Um, there is other stuff that's in here. That's pretty fun. I would, I would read through it just because if nothing else, this gives you little story ideas. Maybe where do you want to have your beasts come from? What do you want to make them look like? Um, maybe some of these st- stories, these big stories hitting the timelines um, mm-hmm. can can give you some ideas. But then we get to the great phrase. So, and we're back to it. Apex creature, alpha beast. Um, you need a really strong one to run a great fray, just like you need a really strong uh, war boss to lead a war. Um, it's rare that the entire great fray goes after one thing. It's so large. They are so large and so vast that a great fray might come in here and have other guys in way other places, just all sort of, uh, you know, doing you know, still in the same general direction, but not on the exact same plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Um, like I said, they'll, they'll, here we go again. They attack other Bray herds. When they stop when it's obvious they won. Anyone who looks weak, they kill. Anyone who's uh, anyone who's sort of st- set themselves apart through their killing gets invited to join in. That's pretty much that's pretty much their entire you know fighting style and their entire plan. It's it, the closest thing that they have to structure. Yeah. Um, so it's a little harder to like put a bit more of a like an organized military aspect to it. So they try to do that with an example beast herd within the all herd, but it's still like it's not really separated into a breakdown. It's just here are these 
characters, these are the things that go with them in their herds. So, okay. So let's talk about some legendary groups. Uh, the All Herd. The All Herd rules over more territory than all the other bestial tribes combined. So over 50% of all beasts of chaos territory, uh, you know, rule goes under the All Herd. Um, there's some interesting stuff in here, too. When they get up there, uh, the, like I said, the scent of the fighting and the enemy up there gets them crazy. Um, once they start getting into a frenzy, the the human side of them just gets completely lock, locked away and, and gone. And that that fury that's coming from them, that frenzy that's coming from them, um, they just they don't even know fear. They don't know pain. They're just turned into this ravaging, killing, destructive machine. Um, if you're a really good leader of the all herd, they might call you one of the first sons of the Gore Father, which they believe that there are literally first generation children of the Gore Father moving about still in the places. Um, you know what else? We got Dark Walkers. Did any of this stuff stand out to you at all? Yeah, the Dark Dark Walkers are the Ambush Supreme, um, and they use Realm Gates to move around, and they know where they are, they can find them, and they can spread their corruption further and wider than other herds. Yeah, it, there's some weird stuff in there. They're literally instinctive knowledge of their Realm Gates. It talks about how they will lure their enemies out into the wilderness. They don't like to fight out in the open or at civilizations. Bring them out to the wilderness. But then they will lead them through gates that they don't even know are there. Like they don't realize they're going into a gate, and next thing you know, boom, I've separated your whole army from you. Now your castle's defenseless. Meanwhile, I got these guys on some other warp portal place over here that now they're, you know, we, we've either got an ambush for them or something else is going to attack them. It's a pretty yeah. weird and crafty... Use of the style, portals. yeah, yeah, and they're nomads by nature. They don't really mark territory as much, um, so they even act as like guides. Or, oh yeah, they'll take uh, they'll take slaves to darkness if chaos. You know, they're basically for hire because they don't care. They're like, what do you mean? Hey, it, what do I care? How I get my my destruction going? You know. I'll help mm-hmm. them as long as there's more destruction happening. Uh, they, 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 as they put it, there are no boundaries that cannot be transgressed, and no route to anarchy that should be ignored. So maybe you don't like this, and you think it's weak, but if it's going to get the job done, I'm good with it. Now the grave spawn. I keep thinking it said grave spawn. Yeah, no, it sounds weird um, because you want to say grave spawn. Yeah. Uh, now this brings back Morgur, the great devolver from the uh, world that was. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys are the most literally warped from, like you know, the presence of chaos energy and stuff in their bodies and in their minds. They worship Morgur, which, if you played Eighth Edition, you know who this was. The he was the one who could go around and literally start turning your army into beastmen. Uh, Turn them into spawn or uh, chaos spawn. That's right. Um, 
He was in the world that was, but his essence persisted and is slowly seeping through the cracks in the veil between realities into the wilds of the mortal realms. Yeah, this is, yeah, if the might, yeah, there's Gabe Spawn. If the mighty champions are cut down, sometimes they get the gift of Morgur, and as you said, they come back as Chaos Spawn. Uh, Also, way more Bray Shamans here than in other armies. Mm Mm-hmm. And they actually think that uh, that Morgor is going to become a chaos god that above all the other chaos gods. Yeah, because it's the true mutation, the true anarchy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for them, the most blessed creations are the spawn because they are literally just a pure embodiment of anarchy. Right. So, although... I don't know anybody who likes to play with them, but in the story-wise, yep, there you go. That's your gift. There is, when we get to the war section, like there actually is a way for Spawn to be used with gay Spawn. Interesting. I look forward to that. Um, we got four more types of phrase, and these are the ones if you join up with the, one of the Chaos Gods. Um, mm-hmm. Skull Frey, hey, you're tearing everything down and destroying everything? That's great. Then when you're done, pile up all those skulls by your herdstone. Um, the interesting thing, I mean, it's all typical corn. The only thing I like is every ounce of flesh is ripped from their opponents and consumed, except for the brain, for it contains no strength and is therefore discarded. I think it's great that they won't eat the brains. Mm-hmm. They eat everything else. And like, ugh, no, don't want any of that. You know, forget it. Um, yeah. Go ahead. The thing that they do mention the uh, eight horn skull fray, which is the most infamous one, and they see corn as a great brass bull, um, which again is a little nugget back to eighth edition mm-hmm. with I can't remember his name, uh, but there was a brass minotaur. Right? Wasn't he? Uh... He was like a uh, like a juggernaut, except he was a doom bull. Oh, that's right. But he was covered in brass, and he had one spot that was like you could punch through in his neck. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I remember this guy now. He didn't have a model. He was just a big, cool, golden or a brazen bull. But it's this goes to how they see. The god, not just like the massive demon on his throne bellowing. It's you're an animal too, right? Right. Um. So yeah, you got this skull phrase. It's corn. Lots of blood and piling up your skulls. Um. Now, if you are part of a twist fray, that's the ones that like Zinch. They want to kill and defile, just like everybody else, um, but they hate any enchantments or magic put together by the other races, and they will they will do their best to absolutely uh, destroy anything that's enchanted or magical. Uh, what else we got here? The rot fray. It's Nurgle. Uh, the you know they're the martyrs among their kind. By beseeching the plague god, they seek the means to erode the realms with pestilence, decomposing the civilized lands to make 
way for the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the slake phrase. This is interesting because these guys love all the pretty baubles. All the stuff that all the other beastmen want to tear down. Treasures, you know, know, precious stones, whatever. That stuff is really attractive to these beastmen. It's the Slanesh bit in them. Mm -hmm. But they also hate it because they don't want to like it because they're supposed to destroy everything and not like this stuff. So you get this sort of weird sort of thing between us. Now, the demonettes um, have paid attention to what's going on, and apparently in Akshi, the, uh, there's so much of these guys there, they think they're, they're following them because they think they've, they've caught Slanesh's scent. And so the demonettes are following the, uh, the different slake, slake phrase around trying to find out if it's going to help lead them back to wherever they need to be. Mm-hmm. Trying to find Slanesh. Yep. And it's a slake fray because you're slaking your thirst, which is, again, part of that excess with Slanesh. Right. You can never quite slake your thirst, though. No. Not with Slanesh. All right, so um, we've gone through a lot of the... The history now. Uh, we know they've been here forever. We know that they are not from the Chaos Gods and that they don't necessarily care for them. Eventually, they will be lifted above them. It's, you know, and for how much you, you, you read the stories and you hear how the, the Beast Men, I mean, look at some of those early books, some of the early fiction for Age of Sigmar, and... <laughs> The uh, you know the early beastmen they was just they showed up when you needed a lot of bodies to kill in the yeah. story you know they would attack in huge numbers and then it's like oh no there's so many of them oh wait they died pretty easy okay we're going on mm-hmm. they were definitely a whipping boy for a long time right and this reinvention I think gives them a little more definition. Uh, to something that is as like you said way at the start of the show. It's giving flavor to something that is by nature flavorless. Yeah. I mean, this was this was kind of a big task to, to do this and do it in a way that made me, as I'm reading, going, maybe this would be fun to play. You know? Mm-hmm. It's like, so, I, like I said, I don't know. It's just, as we've gone through this, I'm like, oh, this, is, this is actually interesting. It's not as drastic of a rewrite as, say, Flesh Eater Courts. No. But it's enough to give them... A bit more definition into the Age of Sigmar and not just the kicking boy. Right. It make, they can stand out as their own thing. Um, mm-hmm. I guess, well, okay, so here's what we've got left. We've got some of these uh, these unit entries, um, you know, the little histories and stuff like that, or the backgrounds on the different things. Um, you want to start with the Beast Lords? You got anything on this? or? Well, we've already kind of covered what they are. Right. Um, They're the biggest and largest of their kind, the most violent, and they rule over the beast herds by killing those that would challenge them. Yeah, and they are are definitely a lead by example, Warlord. Mm -hmm. These guys run in the front. Now, I don't know how that would play off necessarily in playing it in the game. 
But I tell you what, if I was, I'd be doing that at least a couple of times in the beginning to see how well it worked. But these guys are right in the – they're not using stuff as screens and shields. They're running up in front. They're finding the biggest, baddest enemies in front of them and cutting them down first. And then in the middle of the battle, holding up their severed heads and and throwing their intestines around and, and stuff like that. Um, because that's what you do when you want to prove that you're the biggest and the baddest. Uh, what else we got? The Bray Shaman. And I mean, that's like the wizard form of them. They are the only beastmen whose, you know, fear, it doesn't just come from their physicality on its own. Um, now I do like, they, they guide the stampedes. They protect, you said, as you said, the, the, the herd stones. Uh, they are so glutted with chaos energy, they exude a visible warping aura. You can actually see reality warping around them. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for them, it's like a beacon because um, they see like the actual change, so it inspires them to go even further. Yeah. Uh, and they do have a box out here for the different bestial spells, like the endless spells, which I found very refreshing. Okay. To put a little more background onto the endless spells. Cause like until this point, we got the basic ones from the malign sorcery set um, with like a really good and thorough understanding of what those were. But then the ones in the Stormcast and Nighthaunt books, we didn't get a real explanation of what they are. That is true. So for them to actually box out and explain more of what a wildfire Taurus is, what the dire flocks do, and then obviously the dirge horn. So it's just, I found that more interesting that they put this in here to really give more form and substance to those. Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't even, you know, I sh- didn't even mark it. I didn't even, I honestly didn't even remember it that much. I must have kind of glossed over it as I was taking notes. It's again one of those little box outs because you're focusing on like, well, we're talking about the Bray Shamans, but it's, you need to talk about the endless spells because like when this book was released, it was only this book, the Herdstone and the endless spells as far as miniatures is concerned. Okay. And actual products. So I thought you need to mention the importance of those things into how they fit into the beasts. Yeah. So. All right. Um, all right. Let's go a quick one through the beast men. Uh, we all know what gores are. Gores are the, I mean, they're the, the guys on the, on the, on the cover. Mm-hmm. They got big giant horns, you know, animal faces, you know, human torsos, animal legs. Um, and they are fearsome, scary killers. Uh, the best of gores are the strongest and meanest gores. Um, they get the best pick of the weapons, and everything is the best for the best of gores. Why? Because you stop them from taking it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the beast lords generally like to have them around as a personal bodyguard and uh, guys to send out when it's absolutely necessary. But you got to watch them because they come back tough. They're going to challenge you. There's a constant rotation that seems going on among the best of them. Mm-hmm. And they fight to the death, don't they? 
They do. So anytime someone feels like a challenge, one of your two better warriors is going to be gone from your from your herd. Basically. But then that leader, whoever emerges victorious, is going to be all the stronger for it. Yeah, I mean, I suppose. Um, then you got Ungors. They're the little, you know, the tiny ones. And they are regularly brutalized and tormented by their larger and more fearsome kin. But they have a lot of dexterity and they can make weapons, which is why they're still around. Mm-hmm. Um, did you read the Tuscor Chariot thing? Yeah, and that's... It's very similar to what the background was for them in the world that was. They just kind of get visions, or they see other chairs like, that's cool. So what do they do? A bestigore who either gets a vision or decides it's cool, go get yourself some gore and some ungore and threaten and beat them until they build you one. Mm-hmm. And the gore that was helping build it, he gets to be the driver since he built it so that you can sit on the back as the bestigore and wield your axe and kill stuff fast. Right. But you're also proving that you're the one in charge because you're the one that's not doing the work except the killing. Mm -hmm. And what happens to the Ungor? They get to be written down when they test out the chariot. You got to test it out on something. So let's kill the Ungor that built it. Mm -hmm. So awful. So terrible. Yeah, but then the best of will have to go out and like capture the Tuscor to mm-hmm. pull said chariot, and they use the Ungors as bait. That oh yeah, they do that too. So yeah, the ones they don't kill, they use yeah, for bait. Jesus. Um, and then finally, in these guys, you've got Centigors. Uh, Centigors are still the drunks. Um, they're not so. Uh, in the last book, they seem kind of goofy. Like, oh, we're drunk all the time because we're weird and nobody likes us because we're more like centaurs than beastmen. Blah, we drink a lot. Blah, gives us a bonus. Um, here, it just kind of makes them unreliable. <laughs> you know, they make mm-hmm. it much more simpler. Um, but what do they do? They, uh, you know, they, they do the... Uh, stuff they also bully ungor into making their equipment which then they turn around and test the weapons on them when they're complete and kill all the ungor that made them weapons because of course you do and then of course they drink before the battle which gives them i don't know what anymore Um, it's a drunken bravado yeah um they do mention is that they're used as messengers between the herds. This is pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Um, because, like, the Brace Shaman will send a message into the Centigor, and it'll just go straight off. It won't remember the message, but will be able to relay that. But they won't have any concept of what they're saying. So they can't, like. And they say it in the, the Brace Shaman's voice. Mm-hmm. It's like the Bray Shaman just plants that into them, and when they show up, they regurgitate it. Yeah. So what else do we got in here? Oh, look, the Zinch stuff. Yes. Shaman Zangors and Skyfires. And the Enlightened. Um, we've kind of gone over these guys uh, when we did the uh, Zinch review, when the Disciples of Zinch first came out. Right. Um, but this is they're putting it into the Beastman context. Yes. Um, so, you know, Zangor shamans. Uh, 
Others, the uh, some are born with the mark on them. Others have their gifts bestowed after doing terrible rituals, and some are created from the devolved flesh of sorceress mortals who delve too deep into profane practices. Of course, they are. Um, mm-hmm. Now, they're bound to zinch, obviously, but they're not. <laughs> Of course these guys aren't hated. They're really good on the tabletop, and you need an excuse to make sure they can play with uh, with the Beastmen. Um, so yeah. they still are Beastmen at the end of the day. Right. But it's a different type. But these are like the only ones that... It's also weird because the Zenith ones are the only ones that have specific marked... Beasts. Right. Which I always I found that weird that because like we used to have Korngor and Pestigor. Which I thought now, was cool. Yeah. And if you've got the Zinch ones, I don't know why we can't have the other ones as well. Correct. Um you want to talk about Zangors or the Skyfires or the Enlightened or any of that stuff? They're like, there- pretty much the same. Yeah. Is what we had, but it's now this is them out in the wilds, still like working towards the change and the de-evolution. So it's not, it's really nothing dissimilar from what we've covered with the Zine Tree. No, and and much like the Cygors, they are attracted to magic. Yeah. So like they 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 head towards that stuff to kill and to kill and consume that. Gives them more power. But, uh, yeah, you can read up on the Skyfires and the Enlightened. I mean, it's it's nothing that we haven't seen before. Right. Uh, and that leads us into the Blood Greed Brutes. So this is our war herds. Yeah, the Doombulls, the Blood Gore, or the Bulgors, the Gorgons, and the Cygors. Right. So these are your consumers, literally, because that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, the Doombulls are the biggest ones. They're the ones that... Basically, just point the herd and go. Yeah, and they go ahead uh, of them. Again, they go in the front because they're mm-hmm. gonna they're gonna kill the biggest and baddest things and prove that they should be the leader. Right. Um, and the Gorgon is just the bigger version of a Bulgor or even a Doombull, where it's just the greed becomes so much that it changes their body where they grow extra arms to, like, assist more with eating. Yeah, they got two arms with little hooks, and they'll just stab through stuff with that, and then they'll grab it up with their other set of arms and just start eating it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, one of the things about the Doom Bulls is Doom Bulls, um, they almost never become the alpha beast of the Great Fray because the hunger is so strong in them, that's all they can do. Like is focus on the blood greed and mm-hmm. eating all that stuff. They're just and they're not they're not good at planning ambushes. These are the run straight up the guts guys. Yeah. Um. And you said the gorgons, the cygors are pretty cool. Yeah, um, these guys. I go ahead. Of all of them, I think these are the most interesting because they're not looking for flesh; they're looking to consume magic. Yeah. They uh, they 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 were mutated 
to the point where their two eyes merged into one on their skull into a single glowing organ in the middle of their foreheads. They cannot see. They are blind. Mm-hmm. Except they can see the souls of wizards blaming like flame. Anything that's magical stands out like a like a candle. Like a beacon to them. Yeah, like yeah. a beacon to them. So even though they're blind and they don't see anything, they see these big bright spots, which they are drawn to go towards and devour. Mm-hmm. So your Cygors are just like anti-magic anything. The interesting thing is Cygors don't just devour and try to consume magic. If a wizard tries to cast a spell around a Cygor, the Cygor might naturally be able to stop it just through its natural being. Um, and then it'll eat that magic. Like it sees the spell being cast and that's magic being created right in front of it, which it eats. So it, you know, counters, stops your spell, sucks it in. There is a chance it'll get a part of your soul. Mm-hmm. That's a little crazy. Yeah. Well, the manipulation of magic, you're essentially using your soul energy to power your spell in addition to whatever ability, because it's who you are. So that can get taken away from you as well. And then the whole thing that I never really understood is why they have the rocks that they throw. But they actually provide an explanation for it. It's like they find these like buried ruins that have wards and enchantments woven onto them. So then they dig them up and throw them um, to get at the things that they can't get to yet. Yeah. And it's, it's cool that it, of course, how would they even know they were there? They're blind. These things stick out. If they've got runes on them or enchantments, they stick out in these things. They pick them up. They can't really eat a big rock. But they'll see the other things. They'll start throwing it at it, like you said. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Uh, that, yeah, and I noticed that too. I like that they explained, you know, why they've always got these these things. Uh, I'm curious as to how they perceive things like Nighthawk and Stormcast. What do you mean? Well, they're beings of magic. Okay. Oh, so that's right. Does that Seraphon? Yeah. Again, it's like the things that are actually made up of magic or sustained by magic. How do they look to them? Is it just wizards that they see or is it the things that actually have the motes of energy? I assumed them? it was the motes of energy. Yeah. They're attra- attracted to magical things other than just people. Mm-hmm. They will completely... If, it, like, if they hit a Zinch library or something like that or some place where lots of magic is just being used, they would just start devouring it I'm, I'm, from, what I from what I gather. Yeah, it just, I think for, like, rules purposes, I think that would be almost be impossible oh, yeah. to come with an accurate description of, like, how their site would work for, like, two-thirds of the armies in the game, but it doesn't work for other things. It's just, it's one of those things that it, when we talk about the actual rules it, the, to the background, it seems a little off, but, again, it's how do you adequately write that into a rule. Exactly. Um, and that's it for the war herd. Then we're on to the uh, the thunderscorn, thunderscorn, dragon ogres, and dragon ogre shoggoths. 
Okay, so these things are immortal, and they bring down the lightning, and they stand on top of mountains, and they curse and scream to Sigmar, who apparently can see and hear them all the way over there. Um, only the ferocious and most willful of the dragon ogres eventually become dragon ogre shoggoths, because you've got to live like a thousand years at least to get to that kind of, you know, because they just keep getting stronger as they get older. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like how event, it's talking about eventually the Shoggoth outgrows both the weapon it carries and the plated scales that it, that cover its draconic lower limbs. The storm beast sheds its scales and in the white heat of a lightning storm fuses them into his weapon, creating a new titanic blade befitting of its monstrous wielder. So that's where they get the giant axes from. It's actually dragon scale. Mm-hmm. Put together as an oh, so dumb. Yeah, but it's, it's it's so good. Like you know, I don't know how it plays out on the table, but boy, story wise, I'm like, I like this. The art on this page on page thirty six is one of the pieces that actually like drew me in to Warhammer when I first got started because this is an older picture. Yes, but it, it is. still carries so much. No, it's great. I just wish they'd looked like that. Yeah. Um, well, this is an interesting thing with the dragon ogres. The weapons carried by dragon ogres are wrought from Azerite metals and were crafted when the ancestors of the Thunderscorn roamed wild in the heavens. So, it's that it's good stuff. That and that's probably Azerite metal. That's the stuff that they build retributor hammers with. When you hit with a six, you draw, call down lightning. Mm-hmm. So now, when they were cast out of Azir, their weapons got scattered across the realms. And so a lot of these guys go out just to hunt down their old weapons, knowing that mm-hmm. they will be very useful. Um, yeah, it's pretty good, but it just it was... Yeah, I like that part. I'm sorry. I just I got distracted because... Uh, you know, dragon ogres themselves, but this the, the whole thing behind their weapons. And there is something that comes up here later that they're, like, always searching for them. They're trying yeah. to find all those old weapons that got missed and got tossed aside. Yeah, the other thing is, like, they're a seasonal predator because they, they vent their rage, but then they retreat back into their lairs or up into the mountains, and they just reabsorb more energy. Yeah, they go to sleep, and they rest and get themselves hit with lightning and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah, that's very dragon-like. Because dragons are always, like, they have their periods of rage, and they destroy things and eat everything. Then they take these super long naps. No, yeah. Hmm? Nothing. Um, You're 100% right, and I didn't even think about it that way. They're, They're just like dragon dragons. I've wrecked enough stuff and eaten enough goats today. I'm going to lay down on this pile of gold for about six months. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Um, And then we the job. And then the last part of the lore has to do with all the little monsters that come with. Well, they're not a little. Well, you know, yeah. Uh, Chimeras, usually a dragon, lion, and a big predatory bird. Three-headed monster, fast, destructive, raw energies of chaos. Um, it's not always 
a dragon, a lion, and an enormous predatory bird. Uh, this is the one part about this that really stuck out to me because yeah, we all know what a chimera is. But in other chimeras, such as the infamous beast of Boar Peak, the three heads have appeared, the appearance of a human, an elf, and a dwarden. I want to see that chimera. I don't want to see that chimera. I just think that would that's be, just weird. That would be, I mean, we're, I, yeah, you know, a three-headed beast with a, a dragon, lion, and bird, that's fine. But throw three human faces, or a human, an elf, and a dwarden face on that thing, and everyone's like creeped out. I think it's great. I mean, I like the descriptions where like they have like ursine or crocodilian features or wings like a giant dragonfly. I'll buy any of those. That's all cool too. But the second you put Larry Moe and Curly on there, we got an issue. <laughs> uh, I think it would be funny as heck. No. All right, jabber slides. Giant. No, you gotta say it right. It's a jabber slide. <laughs> no, no, I ain't doing it. No. You guys can all okay. do it. Everybody does it. I get it. Jabba Slarth, but nah. Uh, monstrous, toad, monstrous Toad, Mucosal Slug Drake, and Many-Limbed Insect mixed together. Um, they're big. They're gross. They're terrifying. Most people who see them lose their sanity because it's just so crazy. And if you do stand and fight it and you cut it, then the then it just pours out this black icor that melts you and your armor. Mm-hmm. Yuck. Um. Oh, and if you don't want to look at it because it's horrifying and terrifying, when it gets close, it just projects images of itself into your skull because it works by telepathy. So, hey, here you go. No, you don't want to look? Fine. Don't worry about it. You can see me anyway. So dumb. Mm. It's just a weird thing. Yeah. It's just trying to figure out where those things fit in. But, again, it's like that de-evolution. Oh, yeah. That thing's a mess. That thing's like a chimera turned horribly wrong. Yeah. It's a really weird thing. It is, and it's a crazy model, and it's probably one of my favorite of all the stuff that they put out for Beastmen. Really? Uh, there's some really cool... That's just such a weird, ugly, strange hodgepodge of a model. It's really yeah. cool. I mean, these other things came out, but they weren't necessarily Beastmen things. The Jabberslife came out with the Beastmen book. In fact, it got a lot more... Uh, it was, you know, that with the Saigor and the other one, they all had their own place. This guy's kind of been relegated back to the the kids' table here with all the big monsters that are almost generic. Mm. Uh, Chaos Gargants, you know, because, you know, Chaos. Man, is a Gargant. And they are not true children of Chaos, despite all their destructive uh, tendencies. Damn. Yeah, and we've talked about them in the Gloom Spite review, actually. Yep. Where they were actually, like, an actual, like, kingdom of Gargans, and they were actually intelligence. But this is, like, their devolved version. Yes. They've been corrupted and twisted down to their basest and most destructive instincts. Yeah, they get That's- huge. They get huge, and they sprout horns, and sometimes their feet become cloven hooves. But they're uh, 
they're still giant monsters. But that, yeah, like you said, it destroys their brains. Mm-hmm. So poor, poor Gargans. No brains. Cockatrice. Um, yeah, look at this thing when it gets mad and you just turn to stone. In fact, if you find a Medusa's garden of stone people all looking horrified, you found a cockatrice lair. Mm-hmm. Um, you could be turned to stone instantly or, you know, not, but then you're not looking at it when it's attacking. So we all know what most of this stuff is. Chaos spawn. Um, you know, you get too many gifts of, of, of mutation, you could be a chaos spawn eventually, which is you're just pure mutation and instinct, right? Yeah, and you're constantly changing. Oh, yeah. Uh, Razor Gores, you know, they're the uh, dire wolves of the Beastmen, and Chaos Warhound. Oh, no, Razor Gores are those big, the big ones pulling the... No. Pulling the chair. The Razor Gores are the, like, devolved pig. Oh, okay. The big pig. Oh, that's the weird-looking one. Like, nobody liked that model when it came out. Correct. And here they try uh, to explain why it looks like that. Because they're so muscular and they're so warped by chaos that the muscles have ripped through the skin. So you can see the actual muscles through the skin because they're so muscly. <laughs> that's retconning a bad model. That's exactly what that is. Let's call a spade a spade. Yeah, it's still pretty terrible. That's <laughs> terrible, man. Terrible, you knucklehead. Yeah, there's, like, when we talk about it, like, there's some, well, we'll get to that later. <laughs> and, um, then, and then Chaos Warhounds are the dogs. Yeah. They're as close as they get to hunting hounds, um, which is something that they've always had a kinship with, is, again, the animalistic, the hunting. So that's what these are. And these are the... What's the word? They're the, they're like I look at them as like a hyena more than anything. They're the scavengers, yeah, and they track down the things that try to escape. They're hunting dogs, except they've got you know horns and tentacles and things coming out of their pelts. So, mm-hmm. and that those are all the denizens of the beast uh, realms, and that is all of the. Uh, story. It's a story of hunger. It's a story of rage and jealousy and hatred and just all the worst human emotions put into a body that just wants to watch everything burn. Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it, for me, this is this is fun. For me, this is uh, this is the type of uh, army lore I like. They didn't have to go too over the top with it, but they made it interesting enough that I can connect to it even without named characters. Like even you know, like you said, there's no there's no one of note in this army. Yeah. I think the big thing is that this is the breeding ground for whatever you want to do with an army because it has no like actual definition. So you get to do what makes sense to you either thematically or whatever unit wise, because it's still just an amalgamation. Yeah. So this is, 
how they've described it is it's true freedom to do what you want. Yeah, and it follow can make your, sense. Own, your own. What was it? What did it say? Your, your own particular style of brutality, Play, and then even yeah. forging your own narrative, your own form of savagery. That's the word. That's it, savagery. Well, it works for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know what? I mean, well, we spent about 90 minutes on this. Yeah, after we did the intro in the toolbox. That's a yeah. shorter uh, bit. And, you know, I, uh, I, a lot of it's repetitive. Um, yeah, I think that's the like the down point. Yeah, like, that's the draw. It's a drawback. It's definitely a drawback. Everything I'm reading, it's... It reminded me a little bit of like when you read the corn book, and I'm not putting that down, but even when it starts talking about the eight trials and the paths and all the different things that corn, you know, followers do, it's still, mm-hmm. you know, blood and skulls, blood and skulls, blood and skulls, just finding a decent variation on it to make something a little bit unique. Yeah. Um, and I do like on like pages uh, 44 and 45 where they do the army showcase. Um, they actually show the varieties of a gore that you would find in a realm and like how they've been twisted or modified by the realm that they inhabit. Oh yeah. The breeds. Yeah. Yeah. And it's nice to see a, 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 a rather wide variety of skin tones, skin tones, furs. Yeah. Different patterns. Yeah. Because, um, like the sort of real pale white zinch ones are pretty neat, mm-hmm. but then you even get like the guys from Ulgu, and like they said, their skin is really dark, so they they got a, they're very well blacks and grays. Um, yes, there's there's definitely the 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 paint gallery in here is pretty cool. They even make the, the you know the the bulgors look pretty nice. Despite the weird furry patches, it's also the feet. Oh yeah, well yeah, the shoes. <laughs> They're not wearing I think shoes. That was the no. They're shoes because it's a foot and a hoof, so it's like a shoe hoof. Is it shoes? Look at it. I'm looking at it. It just looks like they have f- cloven feet oh but no, it should be in a foot if you had cloven hooves you'd have that weird you'd, your your legs would be shaped like uh like how a cygor or a gorgon eyes yeah like if you look at it's have, got that full cloven hoof whereas the dune bull and the bulgars they have like the ankle in half the foot and then like the toe is the hoof oh yeah yeah okay i see what you're saying if you have cloven feet it should be with that third segmented jointed you know like your dog's back legs or these beast legs and here they yes. have regular human legs and human ankles and human it's just that their toes are cloven yeah that that is dumb it but again it's one of those things that they're trying to create something that is unnatural and it even bothers you to look at it yeah i guess so from I an just, artistic standpoint i can see that however it just bothers me because it's like if you're supposed to be based off of a minotaur then you should have a cloven foot like a proper cloven foot right with the proper legs Mm -hmm. and i don't know if they had to do that just so they could you know keep them upright and standing but and like i said my thing is they got that weird tea patch of thick 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 you know funny fur on their chest and then they got like 
uh, you know, um, you know, thigh pads of fur. Yeah, and, and the overly complicated musculature. Yeah, it's. I it's, think it's part a, of that has to do with the paint scheme. It's they're just kind of weird models. They are. They're not razor gore bad, but no. But they're, you know, if you if you take the razor gore out of it, these might be my le- my least favorite. Yeah, they're because they're just kind of you know, and and there's a lot in here that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like the I do like the look of their eternal uh, spells. The endless spells, yeah. The endless spells, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, wildfire Taurus looks really cool. It is. And even the dirge horn looks pretty cool, you know, for all things being equal. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's a floating horn. Wow, was that cool? It kind of is with the little fire coming up and then the the, the the beast men's skull in the fire holding it up. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And then for the dragon overs to finally get a bit of recognition, because those are models that have always been like some of the better ones in this range that just never got the attention or the love that they deserve. True. And they finally did with this book. Yeah, I like it. I like the lore for this. It's like I said, not as involved as some others, but it's, I mean, we came into this when I started reading this book and I was just like, okay, this is, I I mean, I've read the two previous Beastmen books and I'm like, Yep, they like to fight and they're evil and whatever. And it's, no, this is it's at least an interesting take. They mm-hmm. eventually see themselves being elevated above the other chaos gods because they are true children of chaos. They're pure chaos, not this little uh, segment of it run in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. I love it when you look at chaos and say that's too that's too organized for us. Yes. That's too much order in my chaos. The chaos gods? Yes. Yes. Too regimented, too restrictive. That's that's actually kind of brilliant. Mm-hmm. So that's it, folks. Um, we're done, aren't we? Yeah, with the lore. Yeah. So we hope you're enjoying this. Um, please, you know, we're not going to do a regular show wrap-up just because we're going to be back in two days. Uh, yeah. with the rest of the show. But we would like to know what you think of the format. Um, mm-hmm. You know, are you going to listen to war? Are you going to only listen to lore? Or are you only going to are you going to listen to both? Um, we're kind of putting it out there nice and segmented so you can pick and choose which ones you prefer. Um, so we're hoping this works because this is this is the plan for a while. So, mm-hmm. all right. So, um, all right, folks. We'll we'll be back in a couple of days with yeah. uh, with the rest of this. Um, you guess we're all good, aren't we, Alex? Yeah, I uh, think so. Like, so. Yeah, we're not going to do all the show wrap y stuff and and all the things like that because we're going to hit that at the end of the next part. So it really mm-hmm. is like one long episode. Yep. So I think we're just going to hit the pause button, and uh, we'll talk to you guys in a little bit. Yeah, we'll be back in a little bit, guys. Uh, Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back. You've been listening to Garage Hand. If you've enjoyed the show, maybe consider leaving us a positive review on iTunes, or check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash garagehammer. 
If you'd like to reach us, you can contact us via our email address, garagehammer at live.com. You can also find us on Twitter. David is at garagehammer. And Alex, that's me, is at some kind of geek 30. Original music by Claire Seabrook. You can find more of her work at soundcloud.com slash Claire Seabrook Music. Finally, if you want to join the Garage Hammer community, as well as the AOS community worldwide, you can comment on our episodes in the show thread at the Grand Alliance Forums. That's tga.community. Or check out the Garage Hammer Facebook page. And as always, thanks for listening. figure out how to end it when we do this yeah (laughs) i hadn't thought about that